You're listening to episode 192, From Fear to Faith, part one. Four mind-blowing physics principles that will give you hope. This is the dance of life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and we are gonna go on a journey to hack your mind, body, and soul for living your best life yet. Tune in every week to learn something new, grow, and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment. And if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. So glad to have you here with me today. Thank you so much for being here. Hope you're happy, healthy, safe, and staying strong. You know, we've got some crazy times in the last couple of weeks and months, and certainly they're probably not over yet. But at the end of the day, we have a power in our own selves to control how we react to everything and how we respond and how we create the future. And that's what this whole series is about. I decided to put a special series together to really look at some things. You know, this is going to be a little bit of a more philosophical, deeper type of conversation, but I really hope it's going to inspire you with some strength, with some inner hope, uh, and with some motivation to continue forward because everything changes and everything moves forward. So this is just temporary. Bob Proctor, great influential figure to start us off today. Faith and fear both demand that you believe in something that you cannot see you choose. I love this quote. You know, when I was looking for different quotes on this particular topic to share with you, I found this quote. I was like, wow, this is just perfect. You know, at the end of the day, our emotions are so real to us. And our brain is good at one thing, and that's creating reality. Our brain constantly projects what's coming up next what, you know, is going to happen, how we're going to do something, you know, we're always having these mental pictures and some of them are neutral, you know, like you're excited about what you're going to eat, you know, or positive. And some of them, or most of them are negative, you know, what's going to happen, you know, now that I'm out of a job or, you know, now that the economy's crazy or the pandemic, I might get sick or whatever else, you know, all these things have been going through each of our minds. Our brain is very good at creating an alternate reality, a possible future. Now, that can work for you or against you, and most of the time it works against us because we don't have the reins on that chattering mind in our, you know, in our psyche that's going on about what's going to happen. And so that's what this is all about. You know, it's it's about honing in and reining in that inherent power to create reality because otherwise it will just run off on its own and it's by default going to look at what's negative and what's going to happen that's going to hurt you and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, remember this quote. It's so profound and it's really true because both faith and fear, both the things that are positive, you know, turning out just the way you wanted it to and perfectly timed and everything going exactly positive for you, or the opposite, all hell breaking loose, it going terribly, nothing going right, all those haven't happened yet. That's a future that your mind is creating. And again, it's very tempting to go to the dark side, but hopefully today we'll give you some tools to really empower you to look at the bright side, to look at the light side of things, because it's really, I believe, embedded in the world around us, and that's what today's about. So today's going to be about, this is part one of part two, we're looking at mind-blowing physics principles that are out there, already working in the world. If you're a nerd on this stuff, if you like 
this kind of stuff, if you're into more philosophical, metaphysical, esoterical type of things, I think this will really tickle your fancy. I re, I'm really into this stuff. I mean, man, I could geek out on this stuff for a while. I'm going to recommend some books uh, that you guys can check out. But look, for me, what it all comes down to is hope. You know, that's why we said four mind-blowing physics principles that'll give you hope. Because at the end of the day, you look at the stuff around you. You look at how the world is working. You got to step away from the news. You got to step away from the negativity, from the fear-mongering, from all the anxiety. You got to step away from looking at your bills. You know, look at all, if you step away from all the things that are giving you that fear response, just for a moment. Does it mean like if you don't look at your bills, they're going to suddenly go away? Absolutely not. But it's about getting your mind in the state that it needs to be to do its work for you, which is creating a reality and creating a positive reality. We all want a positive reality for ourselves. That's one thing that you could draw a line between everybody on this planet is that we all want a positive outcome for ourselves, you know, and, and obviously, you know, we can't control everything, but it's really about putting yourself in that state. So, you know, today is really going to be about learning to look around you to look at how the world works in actuality and and see from those principles. I'm a big fan of principles. If you've listened to the show for a while, I'm a huge fan of principles because they're they're just golden rules to hang on to during these times, especially during these times. You know, the ancients knew all kinds of principles about the natural world and change, and that helped to ground them, even though there was all kinds of crazy stuff happening all the time. It helped to ground them and give them faith and not religious faith. Again, this is not about religious faith whatsoever. This is about your ability to believe, to stay strong, to create the reality that you want, even though around you, seemingly, reality is falling apart. So, super excited to share all this stuff with you. I love this stuff. I could talk about it for hours, so this will not be the case. I'm going to try to be as brief as possible considering all these things. But this is some good stuff, guys. You know, if you take one of these things forward with you, and it inspires you with a little bit more peace of mind. It inspires you with a little hope. It inspires you with a little strength. That's my goal. And next week, we're going to do part two, which we're going to get a little more specific you know, formula or details on how to take this to the next level. So today is about the principles that are going to give you some foundation of looking at the world around you and understanding your own power to shape the world that's inherent in the fabric of the universe. I mean, it sounds really woo-woo, but look, we're going to get a little woo-woo today, so get ready for it. And next week is going to be a little more formulaic and, and a little more practical. Okay, so if you like this kind of stuff, make sure you subscribe. Hit that subscribe button, whatever you happen to be listening to. Share it with your friends. Give them something interesting to listen to today. I promise this will not disappoint. There's some really cool stuff we're talking about. And as always, if there's something that makes a difference for you today, let me know. Email me, tutor at Dance of Life, or hit me up on Instagram, Facebook at Tutor Alexander Official. Here we go. Four mind-blowing physics principles that will give you hope. Like I said, so you know, right now we're starting with more of the principal foundation and working our way into part two next week where it's going to be more practical application. So the very first thing that I want to set up is that fear, you know, our experience of fear is the experience of shifting your attention away from truth. Truth of the capital T. And what does that mean? Well, the problem is inherently with how we live and how we exist 
is that truth goes through these different layers before it gets to us, to who we really are. So if you can imagine you're looking at a cup, and you've probably seen this cartoon in different places, and there's another person looking at a cup from the other side, and you're looking at the side with the handle, and the other person is looking at it with the side with no handle. And this is an old philosophical argument where it's like, okay, well, you know, I see a handle, and, and you obviously don't see a handle, and we're arguing about what is true. But in reality, both of our perspectives are included in truth with a capital T. So what's the problem there? Well, this inherent principle, it's called the principle of truth. And the, the principle is basically that your observation of something already separates you from that something, from, from really connecting to it and really understanding it, being with it and, and feeling and realizing it. All right, so when you observe something, already you're just seeing a slice of it because you're an individual human being. So just physically, your perspective, your physical perspective, meaning where you're standing, already limits you from experiencing the fullness of whatever you're looking at. On top of that, you're also interpreting it too. Is the mug, you know, a good mug? Is it dirty? Is it cool? Is it interesting? Whatever else, right? We all have different preferences. It's too big. It's too heavy. And the other person might say, oh, well, no, it's fine. Actually, it's perfect for the kind of coffee I drink. So we have that layer as well on top of it. So all in all, the problem that we face as individual and as individuals and as human beings is that by the time we make an interpretation of something, by the time we look at something and we judge it, we have already removed ourselves from the truth, the full truth. We can't know it fully. We're always going to experience some level of separation. And therefore, fear is a normal part of existence. It's a normal part of your life. Now, it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. It just means that's the first step is realizing, look, we're never going to know the full truth of anything. The only way, the closest way we can get to it is by not separating ourselves. It's by connecting to it. And how do you do that? Well, it's in the present moment. That's the only place that you live. You don't live in the future. You don't live in the past. This right now, right here, is where you exist. And everything, everything is right here, right now, around you. And as we get into some of these principles, you'll realize that that is the only truth that you can connect to, is right here, right now. To be fully present and where you are is to be connected to truth. The moment you start interpreting it, observing it, separating yourself, thinking about the future, thinking about the past, all that stuff is a road to fear to some extent because we can't control that and we're separate from it and we don't understand it. And so therefore there's things that are happening beyond our understanding and control and it leads to suffering and so on. So that's the first thing, you know, you really, really got to get out of the way is that separation, being an individual, creates fear. And fear is not like this crazy thing. It's just part of life. It's just an experience of being separate. And when we are connected, when we're in the present moment, truly present, you don't experience fear. You experience peace because this is where you exist. A lot of times we get our mind running away on us in the future and, you know, about, oh my God, what's going to happen and all this kind of stuff. But really, like, that's an imaginary world. It hasn't happened yet. You're here in the present moment. And when you truly connect to the present moment, that's when you connect to truth with a capital T. The other thing is, though, there's a problem with that as well, is that you can't be fully present all the time, right? So most of us, you know, that'd be nice to just kind of be at peace 24-7 and be a monk in some faraway monastery, but that's not just not going to work. And the reality is you have life, you have kids, you have problems, you have a career, you have, you know, all these different things. And we live in this dance. 
That's the dance of life between these two opposing but complementary ideals, which is one is being in the present where reality and truth exist, and the other is dipping our minds into the future, into creating that future, into worrying about it, into you know resolving the past and things that happened that we didn't process, right? So we operate on a very large continuum as a human being. And so naturally, this is going to lead to a lot of problems, obviously, because you look at most animals that don't have this sense of the future and past and things like this, and they don't really have this profound sense of existential suffering. So it all comes with the package of being human. So all that stuff, first off, remember that fear is part of your life as a human being. It doesn't mean you have to shun it. It doesn't mean you have to try to be totally fearless all the time. I think that the moment we can first accept our individual reality and how that comes with certain things, right? Comes with the dance of life, of, of being human and having to experience fear and having to work back into the present moment. It starts to reduce automatically. You know, the more attention you give something, which is going to be our first principle here, the more it grows. So even when it comes to something like being fearless, oh, I got to get rid of my fear. I have to, you know, not have any fear. I have faith. Well, the, what are you giving attention when you say that in your mind? When you're focusing on all that, you're actually focusing on the fear and you're giving that attention rather than just sidestepping. Say, okay, well, it's part of, you know, my human condition. So now, what now? Let me focus on something that I enjoy or that I can create. And that sidesteps the whole situation because our first principle that we're going to talk about is that what you give your attention to literally creates reality. And this is a very famous one. It's called the wave and the particle. If you're not familiar with it, it's an experiment they did to test how light behaves in you know various forms. Does it, does it get split up into particles like photons or does it behave as a wave? This is an old, old experiment. It was like one of the founding experiments of quantum physics, but super fascinating. So fascinating. I mean, it's such a simple thing, but really it's it's so fascinating. And what they basically found was that any time light was being observed, it would behave as a particle, meaning it would separate and become an individual, individualized. If it wasn't being observed, it would behave as a wave, right? So it would be in all places everywhere. Now, this is crazy. Again, this is how the world works, guys. This is at fundamental levels. This is how our world works. You know, so what that means is they found that consciousness is the organizing factor. There's a lot of books I'm going to suggest your way, but one of them that comes up uh, that is really, really good is called Beyond Biocentrism. I believe there's two of them. It's by Robert Lanza and Bob Berman. Fascinating, fascinating book because he talks about how the old model of physics is that basically you have all these random moving parts in the universe and somehow all these random moving stupid parts coalesced into, you know, complex smart parts, right, that have intelligence and so on. That's the old model where it's basically in the beginning is all random and then it got higher and higher order. But the argument in this book is that consciousness and I believe beyond biocentrism is the second one. Biocentrism, biocentrism, I think, is the first one. I read beyond biocentrism. It's, it's really good. I would recommend that one. But they're both good. <clears throat> but the point is that the new mode of thinking is that consciousness actually came first. 
This is, and it goes back to all these old spiritual teachings, metaphysical teachings from 10, 11,000 years ago in the Vedas and the Indian tradition and all these, you know, Buddha and all this kind of stuff. The consciousness came first and reality emerged from that. And consciousness is the organizing factor at the quantum level. Where your attention goes, things get observed and the probability, so it being a wave of different probabilities and possibilities, it gets collapsed into something definite. Now, what's really interesting the thing about this, you know, I had an episode with Dr. Dawson Church. He's a researcher and doctor, and he wrote a book called Mind to Matter. Really, really good book. Fascinating book. You want to go check that out. It's exceedingly well-researched and cited, and it's just all these really cool facts. So if you like to geek out on this kind of stuff, check out episode 139 in my interview with Dr. Dawson Church, when we talk about literally mind to matter and how... The body is creating based on what we think and feel and all this stuff. And every second, this, this is a statistic I remember, every second we have something to the tune of 600 to 800,000 new cells that are born in the body. And every second, if you have an emotion of fear or separation, right? So fear is the ultimate emotion that leads to everything else. But it's that quote unquote negative emotion although I don't really believe negative, positive, it's just lack of love. But fear, right? Those cells are born in a vibration of fear, which is a lower vibration. And that creates all kinds of problems, disease, cancer, all these kinds of things. And they found that the signature of cancer, I mean, this sounds totally woo-woo, guys, but again, I assure you, it's science. Go listen to the episode, read the book. It's fascinating stuff. But again, when you get down to how the world works, it's really crazy, and it inspires me with with hope because it's like, wow, like I can believe in this. This Isn't that just some random crazy universe that's, you know, out to get me, but there's something greater at work that's very intelligent, very smart, uh, you know, very well put together. But they found, back to Dr. Dawson's book, they found that the signature of cancer was present vibrationally before the actual, you know, manifestation of the disease in the body which is very fascinating because we all have these fields, these electromagnetic fields. And so it seems that the field is first and then the, let's say, tree grows into it. It's not the other way around. The tree doesn't grow and then suddenly it emanates a field. The field happens first. The information exists first and then the manifestation. So all of this combined with this idea of the wave and particle, what does that mean to you in your life? Well, the lesson is that attention creates reality. So we're going to build on all these you know, four principles. The first one is that attention creates reality. So what that really means, bare bones, bring it down to simple language, is what you focus on truly is created. So when you focus on something and you focus your attention on it and you get other people to focus on it, that creates reality. Look at the world around us. Whenever more and more people focus on something, it brings it forward. That's a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's what all it is. It's all just quantum mechanics. You know, obviously at a quantum level, that stuff is instant, right? And, you know, when you look at how many orders of magnitude for, let's say, a human being, you're going to have a lot more energy and consciousness needed to create results on our level, obviously. But even then, you know, what you focus on Sometimes I'll tell you, it's like the results are almost immediate. So it is something that is very real, that when you put your attention on something, it will grow in magnitude. That's really important to remember because we're going to put all these together. Number two 
Entropy and negentropy. What is that? Fancy word. I actually had to look up negentropy. I knew what entropy was, but I didn't know what the word for the opposite of it was. But entropy is a simple law that everything of higher order in the universe tends to go to disorder, right? So if you look at, you know, whatever, the more stuff you have in your room, the easier it is for it to get messy. That's a simple example. And it's a rule of physics that basically systems lose energy. Now, that's all fancy things, but the universe tends toward entropy, right? Meaning that it's there's a pull on everything to go to disorder, right? But at the same time, there's also the opposite, which is negentropy. And you look at things like gravity, which, again, it's kind of hard to even understand how the heck it even came around. But gravity, why do certain things stick to each other rather than falling apart? So there's, a, there's the opposite of entropy, which is the force that pulls everything together. And both of these two, again, it's a dance of life. It's just so fascinating. I love thinking about this stuff. But both of these two are working together constantly to produce what you perceive as movement, as time, as change in the world. There's systems pulling apart and there's systems being pulled together. And so the question is, you know, you have, you have the, I use the avalanche as an example. Okay, I use the avalanche as an example in a lot of different things that I teach and talk about. But the avalanche is like, okay, you, you see an avalanche, right? It's very impressive. Like, oh my God, that's crazy. How did that ever happen? Or you see an earthquake and say, oh my God, how did that ever happen? It's so terrible or a hurricane or all these kind of things, right? Well, the hurricane is the peak of the wave, right? Things are always constantly changing and moving. So the question is, we don't see them until they become very obvious, but they're always moving forward or backward and they're pulling away from each other, pulling apart until they reach a certain level of critical mass. And then we notice them and say, oh, wow, this was terrible. But if you were to see every single snowflake that hit that mountainside and somehow in your consciousness, we're able to track that and, and kind of keep level with it, you wouldn't be surprised by the avalanche. It would just be another step in the machinery but we don't see all those snowflakes. We don't keep track of them as significant. We just see the avalanche say, oh my God, that's so significant. So the point here is that you have these two processes working constantly. And one of them creates catastrophe, right? Which is entropy because things are constantly falling apart. Like for example, take your health. Things are constantly falling apart. Every day when you wake up, you are dying. And I know it's kind of morbid, but look, it's the truth. Every day we have a thousand cuts that we go through. That's why... Good health is not about one thing that you do and all the health podcasts that I've come out with and I will continue to come out with. It's encouraging you to live a good practice in your life, a good life's practice of taking care of yourself through good diet, good nutrition, good supplements if you need to, good alternative therapies, uh, relaxation techniques. All these things are constant decisions that we have to add to a very detailed routine in our life so that we can avoid as many cuts as possible. You're not going to be able to avoid all of them. Hopefully one day we will, but as you got to slow the train down as much as possible because you're on a train towards a cliff. We all are. And you know, when you are smoking, partying like crazy, eating junk food all the time, you're speeding that train up. So either way it's moving. Your question is how, how fast is it moving for you? So what we see in health is Things are constantly dying every day, but you don't feel that. You don't experience those little cuts, those little scars on your cell walls and all these things until suddenly there's a critical mass of them and you have pain or a disease or a symptom. 
And so it's the same way, you know, things are constantly moving together towards, let's say, unity and positivity and a positive outcome and more complex, or they're moving apart, they're getting torn apart, systems of order like your DNA are getting torn apart and, and they're becoming, you know, faulty or diseased. And so one of them creates a catastrophe, which is entropy, but the other one, neg entropy, creates something called emergence which is suddenly, out of nowhere, seemingly, there is spontaneous order and jubilee and all this kind of stuff. If you ever watch a flock of birds get together, and that's called emergence in nature, or like you'll see ants, for example, they're walking around, then suddenly they're all coordinated into some big mass of creatures. That's called emergence, meaning suddenly something positive and huge and complex just happened out of thin air. Well, it didn't because things were constantly moving. But if you can imagine this complex matrix around you of things that are moving together and pulling apart, moving together and pulling apart, where you put your, so now we take the first principle, where you put your attention, where you align your consciousness is going to be either towards entropy, if you're afraid and and fear-driven, or if you're love-driven and positive, it's going to align towards the other force, the gravity that's pulling everything together. And don't be surprised when you see either of those two big outcomes. That's the point. So when you see catastrophe in your life, right? Now, I'm not saying you attracted the COVID-19 or anything like this, but, you know, you tend to see people who are very negative and afraid and constantly, you know, worried and all this stuff. They tend to attract more problems, don't they? Right? So the same thing is with people who are abundant and positive and grateful every day and appreciative, you know, you're going to attract, you're going to align with emergence, which is suddenly out of nowhere, you get a check or suddenly out of nowhere, you get a new opportunity or this, that is emergence. Now, when you say, oh, I'm so lucky. Well, you aren't lucky. This is just the sum of your choices and your thinking over the course of time. Now, there's no way scientifically to evaluate this, but we do know the principles and they're all around you. And so it's not a far-fetched to understand that how you operate is going to be consistent with these principles that already operate around you everywhere. So entropy and entropy, two flows of life. And we have the power to choose, based on that quantum double-blind experiment to create our reality, where we align with the flow. Nothing is ever standing still. Everything is moving all the time. So this is really important. The question is, which direction is it moving? Is, Is your train, is your health train moving towards that cliff super fast? Or is it slowing down? Right, so that's that's a good metaphor to remember, especially about your health. But remember, you can always hold that vision of the future and allow it to attract you and to, to go towards the positive. Or you can be afraid and keep painting future pictures that are terrible and, and horrible and painful, and that's gonna attract you towards calamity. That's two, two choices that's we, that we live in, a very binary life. I mean, as much variety and all these things that we have in our life today, it really is very binary. It's always been love and fear, that's it. Okay, number three and four. Well, more like three, really. This is kind of initially two of them I had. But together, these form time and something called the slice of bread. So this is sounds kind of funny. But if you want to Google on YouTube, the slice of bread and time, Einstein. Einstein's slice of bread analogy. There's a really good, I believe it was Channel 8 or PBS or something. They did some sort of... A TV show on this and documentary with some animations and stuff. They posted it on YouTube. Very, very cool video, the way they, they did, explained it. But look it up. And the idea is this. 
Einstein's theory of relativity and movements. This is stuff that to me that just blows my mind. Like I can't even wrap my brain around it entirely. But relatively, relativity of movement is that things, you can only really understand how something is moving based on everything else, right? So if you and I are driving on the street and we're driving at the same speed, you know, if you've ever been on one of those roads that is completely like abandoned, almost like out in the, you know, desert, obviously I live in Arizona, so there's nothing out here. But if you've ever been in a place where it's not very, it's very clean, it's very empty, right? And two things are moving at the same speed. It's hard to tell how fast you're going because there's no reference, right? And so that's, that's really the point. Like if you think about the earth, for example, the earth is moving at thousands and thousands and thousands of miles an hour, you know, through the solar system. I mean, that's, you can't even understand that. Like, how? How is that happening? We don't feel it. Well, you don't feel it because there's no, there's no reference point. And like the stars are too far away to seem like you're zooming past them or anything like that. Right? So, so it's a very interesting phenomenon, which is movement. And movement is also very much related to time because time as a force doesn't really exist. It's more of an experience that we experience as we move through space. So, the way all this works is on a large scale, it starts to get really weird. And that's what the whole slice of bread thing is. So for example, if you if you and I are moving, you know, even if you're in India and I'm in Arizona, if we're doing our thing, my sense of now, right, like right now, is still very much your sense of now. Although, you know, you're going to be whatever, 11, 12 hours apart, whatever it is, 14 hours but our sense of right now is still relatively the same because we're not far enough to where it would make a difference. Where it gets really wonky and weird and what it leads to the whole slice of bread theory is that if you have, for example, somebody 10 billion light years away, which is a distance that we can't even comprehend. I mean, it's, it's huge. So you have two objects that are that far away. Let's say again, in the video, if you look it up, Einstein's slice of bread thing on YouTube, um, it has like a little drawing of an alien that's riding a bike <laughs> and there's a guy sitting on a bench on earth and there's an alien 10 billion light years away. Well, based on the angle that that, so if, if they're standing still, if you can just imagine they're standing still, both of them, the alien 10 billion light years away, the, the guy sitting on the bench, you know, on earth, they're not doing anything, they're just standing still. If you take a slice, if you imagine the whole universe is giant ball, whatever it looks like, but it's the whole universe. And you draw a line between those two people, those two points. That's a slice. And that's a now. That's a moment of now. Like right now, through this moment of space, they're both experiencing right now. But they're so far away that even the slightest movement of the alien away or to, towards, let's say the direction of the person, creates a different slice because they're on a different angle. So this because, again, remember, space is 3D. So we're on a different angle. And like I said, look up the video for this because this is, it's a well-explained thing. But the way it works is that that angle now creates a vastly, vastly different space between the angle of the alien, right, moving in a different direction, and the person sitting on the bench. If they're not doing anything, they're standing still, sure, there's the same point connecting them. But now the alien's moving in a different direction, and he's so far away that that distance amplifies the distance between their nows, so much so that the alien is now, like his sense of now is that person's past like 200 years ago. 
or 200 years in the future, right? So basically the point is that at far distances across the universe, movement and time is totally relative. So much so that the past, the present, and the future all exist, all moments. It's all one loaf of bread, and it's all just a series of slices of nows in space that we travel through. And my now right here might be a thousand years in the past if I'm 10 billion light years away from some galaxy over there. You know, same thing with light. You know, you know it travels so, space is so vast that by the time you see light from the sun even, you're eight minutes in the past. So it's, it's a very fascinating thing to think about. I'm not going to break it down too much more than that, but the lesson out of this whole slice of bread, and you can, again, you can look it up, do a lot of research on it. It's super interesting. Uh, it's such a phenomenal thing. But the idea of this whole thing is that space is what generates time, our sense of time. And so if that's the case, all space exists. It's all there already. That means all time already exists. So that's that means the past, present, and future already exist. So keep this in the back of your brain for a second because the next part of this is how we perceive time. There's a book I want to recommend to you called The End of Time by Julian Barbour. I'm going to try to see if I can get him for an interview on this show, but it, it's a phenomenal book. It's a little heady, you know, especially uh, if you you know haven't really read too much physics or anything. It's it's a pretty intellectual read, but it's very very interesting. This guy's a physicist, you know, I think he's in England, really phenomenal guy. He's done a lot of research and uh, different things like this, but he wrote this book on basically how time doesn't really exist. It's an experience that we have, but, you know, even in that Beyond Biocentrism book, oh man, it's going to blow your mind away. I mean, there's so much stuff that we take for reality and take for granted when you look outside that... It's just this not even the way it is. I mean, it's it blows my mind. Like, for example, with time, all these nows already exist. All space and time already has been created. So what that means is what we really are, what we are perceiving is not this individual stuck frame that's just like pervasive through time because we're constantly changing. If I throw a ball up in the air and I catch it back in my hand, it's not the same ball that I threw up in the air. Now, that idea is, is very interesting because if you think about it on a microscopic level, everything has changed from that moment of time, that initial moment where I throw the ball up in the air, that slice of now, that's going to be different than the next slice of now. But in our minds, we have this sense of continuity. And researchers, Michael Herzog uh, from the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology, they did a study on how we process time and they found that we basically process it in these little unconscious uh, processing units. Like there's now slices. They basically prove this. And the continuity is an illusion. Like your brain is creating the continuity. There's these little like half a microsecond slices that we sample like frame rate, like a computer. You're sampling reality and your brain puts all that together to create a seamless reel of, of a movie that is happening. And in the book, The End of Time by Julian Barbour, you know, he talks about this idea that, okay, if a cat jumps in the air, it's not the same cat that lands back on the ground. So what's happening? Well, really, our experience of time is actually a product of memory. So if you think about, you know, all the, the cells in your brain, they're creating these, these little imprints and putting things together. 
And that putting things together, that sense of memory, that short-term spacious present, it's called, is that two-second, three-second window where we are creating the experience of the present moment. It's all just information being fed through the brain, which again, if you read the Beyond Biocentrism, it's going to, it'll throw a lot of kinks in your chain, man. I'm telling you, like, again, what we see, right? If you look outside, if you look around you, what you see is so beautiful, but in reality, it's all being created in your head. True ultimate reality, truth with a capital T, is this void. There is no color. Like sound, light waves don't have color. Our brain is creating that through its mechanisms, which is fascinating. I mean, reality is just a bunch of fields. It's a bunch of magnetic fields and, uh, you know, radiation and all this kind. It's all just waves. It's all just waves. You're in a soup. You're in this like void soup. And your brain, every moment, is taking that information and converting it into what you see and experience and feel. It's, I mean, it's just fascinating. So I highly recommend those books, Beyond Biocentrism uh, by Robert Lanza and Bob Berman and The End of Time by Julian Barbour. But time, the whole conclusion here, okay, so the slice of bread and how we perceive time and all this kind of stuff. So what is the conclusion here? The conclusion for you in plain language and in English is that all time already exists, all space, everything already exists. All the, again, go back to the wave and particle, all possibilities already have been created, right? So the question is, where is your attention drawing you? Is your 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 life, your experience in this in this world, is like a little bead on a string, travel or like you know little pinball machines, right? Where the beads are falling through the mazes. Well, your attention is what guides you through that maze to the positive outcome. All the outcomes have already been created. All space and time already exists, the past, present, future. There's a future out there that's terrible, and there's a future out there that is positive, that you've gotten everything that you wanted. The question is, every day, the, the vibration that you send out through your mind is pulling that bead either to the right or to the left, either towards love or towards fear, or towards emergence or towards catastrophe, or towards your, your best possible future, or, you know, obviously the worst one. So this is the thing. This is reality, that all the time we are moving the ball in one direction or another. It's already been created. There's a positive future there for you that's waiting for you. All it takes is aligning with that. Now, why that's important is in today's hustle and grind society, we're all about taking control and fighting the adversities of the world and overcoming the challenges and struggle and all this kind of stuff. And that's, you know, it's important. A lot of people strive on that. A lot of people get uh, motivation from that. But this perspective, which again, it all comes from physics. If you look and do the research, it'll blow you away. And because it aligns with the metaphysics and the spirituality lessons of thousands and thousands of years ago. And what those lessons have to teach us is that it's not about struggling. You're not here to struggle. You're not here to fight anything. You're not here to compete for anything. You are here simply to align yourself so that the universe can provide you with what you need, right? So it's a different way of approaching the problem. And so that's the lesson with these is that it ultimately, if you realize, okay, there's a future that's already been set for me that's positive, what is my alignment to that future? If I say I want to be happy, healthy, and have abundance and be okay and be safe, but every day I'm worrying and complaining and being anxious, does that really help me align with that future? No, you could struggle all you want. You could work harder, but you're not working smarter. So it's a different way of approaching the problem. Now, the final principle to tie all this together 
the one that gives me hope. So we know that all reality has been created. We know the future's there, the past is there, there's a positive future, there's a negative future. But if you look, there's one more principle that can nail, hit the nail in the coffin, so to speak, of doubt and fear in my book. And that's the Taurus. The Taurus is an energy field. If you don't know what it is, you can look it up. It's spelled T-O-R-U-S, not T-A-U-R-U-S, like the bull astrological sign, but T-O-R-U-S, Taurus. Taurus is a field, it's an energy field pattern that everything has in nature. It's like a donut. So if you can imagine a donut, basically, but it's also, it's moving. It's a, it's, it's a moving thing. So even if a magnet, if you know what a magnetic field looks like, or the Earth's magnetic field, if you look at a tree, the branches are going outward and the roots are going inward, and it's creating like this cycle where the leaves fall down, they nourish the branches and the, or they nourish the roots, and then the roots uh, pull the nutrients back through there, and it cycles through. So it's a cycle. Your heart has a magnetic field. It's it's a cycle through. Everything has this field, and this field has movement to it. If it moves outward right, from down to up, like a tree where it pulls nutrients from the soil and it goes upward, that direction is positive, meaning it's it's flowing outward like a fountain. It's giving, it's abundant, it's, it's rich. The other flip side of that is it's flowing inward, sucking energy from around everything, all right? So it's, it's that whole uh, entropy type of thing where it's, you know, it's leaking and it's uh, black hole energy type of void, right? So the point is that you look around the universe all around you. And especially if you go outside, you get plenty of reminders about this, but this energy field is everywhere, everything. So what does that mean? Life is constantly growing. It's constantly abundant. It's flowing outward. This is life. In fact, they even see this shape of a torus at astronomically large scales, like the whole scale of the universe, the whole scale of galaxies, of how stars explode. It's all the same information. So what that tells you, it's consistent. So this flow, if you just look at it, the way it outwardly flows, the way it is abundant and infinite, right? What that tells me is that the universe's nature is not chaotic, although it may seem so on a small scale. It's abundant. It's flowing outward. It just wants life. It wants forward. It wants growth. That is the nature of the universe, of everything around you, of nature. Nature finds a way. There's an old Taoist saying that nature gets everything done but doesn't hurry, right? So this is something to remember. It's very important because if you believe that your attention creates reality, like the wave and particle experiment, if you believe that reality is moving towards entropy or negentropy, meaning order or chaos, constantly moving towards one or the other, and that your attention determines that, and you believe also that space and time in reality, have already all been created. They already exist. Everything's possible. And we are moving through based on our vibration. Then your alignment to what you believe about the universe and yourself and your own outcome is going to determine your outcome itself, right? So the Taurus is a reminder that there is only growth and life. Everything that we perceive as change Right? So if you look at something that's dying, like a dying animal, right? we could say, oh, that's the end of this rabbit on the road. That's the end of this. Or it's the growth of bacteria, of the growth of the things in the soil, or the growth of you know whatever, like other things that are moving around and taking that and moving forward. So we are perceiving death as a singular thing. 
and then obviously adding emotion and life to it and saying, oh, death is this force that's taking everything. Really, you're just looking at the underside of the glacier. Like the whole thing is growing. And so it's just moving constantly from one thing to the next. What we ascribe as death is merely just change. So this is these are some metaphysical things to think about. But the Taurus reminds me that life, there is no program for death. There is only program for life. Death is change. Everything is changing. And we attribute a personification to death. Obviously, that's our biggest fear, right? That's our biggest fear in life. All fear comes from death. That's ultimately what it is. And it's sorry to make it a little more morbid for you, but it's really what it comes down to. But really, death is just change. And it is change in a way that we're unable to understand it because it precludes our individuality. Right, so we it's beyond our sense of individuality, but really it's just change. And when you get that you are a part of a small part of the universe, like you are, you can't isolate a droplet from the wave or a wave from the ocean. And when you get that you are a wave being manifested from the ocean itself, right? This is also quantum physics stuff. This is also metaphysics. When you get that, you are not just a singular experience on this planet. Then you also realize that death isn't what you think it is. And there is no such thing. There is just change. And that gives you hope. That gives you a, a chance to stop worrying profoundly. You know, fear is always going to visit you. At the end of the day, fear is always going to visit you. And it's normal. Accept it. It's part of life. But there's a lot of evidence and proof right in the pudding. If you, again, one of the things I talk about on the show is to go out in nature often. Just take a look. People have been doing it for thousands of years for a reason because a lot of answers are there. There's a lot of stuff in this geeky physics stuff that's really inspiring, that really gives you peace of mind, that reminds you, hey, wait a minute, we're all connected. Another great resource is the Resonance Academy with Dr. Nassim Haramain. Look it up. It's really, really good stuff. He does such a great job of putting this stuff into uh, the mainstream, and he's talking about how physics is basically teaching us to be one consciousness, one united reality and to to see what the ancients have seen but through a modern lens he's very good at that so you know it's the information's out there and remember your attention is what creates reality and your ability to remember these kind of principles during crazy times is is a very important part of your sanity and health so here's the deal it's going to be a free 30-day trial of my master class that i've put together it's principles for a dynamic life how to Win in Love, Business, and Beyond. So this is basically the work of about 15 years of coaching, of personal growth seminars, of experiences, all kinds of things wrapped into one masterclass that I've created. It's about 25 hours of my best stuff, guys. It's dynamic. It's got you know cheat sheets. It's got PDFs. It's got extra resources, links, all kinds of stuff. You get access to the full course for free. You can just go to danceoflife.com slash masterclass. Super Secret Masterclass. That's the link. Make sure you go check that out. You get a free 30-day trial. This is a class that I created exactly for these kind of situations. So if you like this kind of stuff today, this is kind of part of the first part. There's four parts. There's three other parts that relate to life purpose, how to deal with you know relationships, how to create better relationships, how to understand a relationship with yourself, and the final chapter, which goes more into other principles about dealing with change and learning to move your way through life gracefully, you know, dance your way through life, which is my kind of thing. So all that is free to you for 30 days, no obligation to buy or anything. If you do want to get the course, 
It'll be uh, like 70% off if you use that link. But go check it out, danceoflife.com slash supersecretmasterclass. Let's do a little wrap-up. Here we go. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that series part one of our Converting Fear to Faith series. Man, I know it's like I said, I could talk about that kind of stuff for hours upon end, so I try to do my best to curtail it. But look, if you got one thing out of this episode, one thing that will motivate you with a little peace of mind, with motivate you with a little hope, help you see the bigger picture. It's all about perspective, guys. It really is. You know, your life gets hectic and gets crazy, but uh, when you have a different perspective, when you can zoom out of that perspective, then it gives you a lot more peace of mind. And that's why I recommended that class. Like I said, it's free. Go check it out. 30 days, no obligation, nothing. My gift to you, danceoflife.com slash supersecretmasterclass. Uh, you know, this is a great time to learn some new principles, to get back in your basics, practice some new habits, you know, get some new mindset things that you can work through because these times they're crazy, but it's also not going to be the end of it. You know, there's going to be a lot more coming. So having good principles, having a good ability to return to peace of mind and a creative state and your ability to attract the future that you want, despite things falling apart, that's going to be super important in the years and months to come. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I really, truly appreciate you. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your nerdy friends who love physics and metaphysics and philosophy and all that kind of stuff. I'd love to hear from you as well. Tutor at danceoflife.com. If this made a difference in your life, remember Bob Proctor. I love, love, love this quote. I'm going to get it tattooed maybe one day. Faith and fear both demand that you believe in something you cannot see. You choose. Life truly comes down to two choices every day, guys. Faith is the source of many things. Gratitude, love, creativity. But so is fear. Shame, guilt, anger. They're both kind of like master emotions. And we can live either in one or the other. But you have to choose where and when you create your life. Remember, it's all binary. And suddenly, things are going to open up either positive or negative, depending on what you're focusing on. So be responsible. Remember that you truly, truly have the power to create. It really is that way. So go read those books, go check out the course, and I'll see you next Friday for part two of this series. Make sure you tune in also Tuesday for a little Transformation Tuesday. Until then, remember, your life is a dance. So go out there and dance it well. For more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.